Welcome to The Entrepreneurial Lawyer, How to Grow Your Law Firm, a podcast for managing and growing your legal practice. Lexicon CEO Dan Cuneo and Director of Legal Operations and Training Sarah Rutan Bates discuss how to make your law practice profitable in the modern legal industry. Hello and welcome to the Entrepreneur Lawyer Podcast. My name is Dan Cuneo and I am the CEO of Lexicon, a legal services and technology provider based here in St. Louis, Missouri. I spent a significant part of my career as a partner at one of the largest domestic law firms in the country. With that experience, I learned that technology can be very useful, not in the sense of just helping your clients, but also being able to build your practice to grow it and to increase profit. And with me, I have my co-host, Sarah Rattan Bates, who is the director of legal operations at Lexicon. Yes, Sarah, thank yes. you for joining us. I am so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. This is going to be epic, right? Um, but yeah, like, like Dan said, director of legal operations and training. Um, what's really neat about our dynamic here is we both come from the law firm world, right? But different roles. So my background was more in the legal assistant or paralegal role initially when I started, um, quickly got into management of people, project management, training aspects. And I've really focused the last eight plus years on the operational side working with a lot of executives of law firms, um, helping them, you know, better utilize their staff, maximize billable hours, you know, grow those policies, procedures, processes of the day-to-day business. You know, what interesting thing, and you, you've had quite the experience, and I'm sure dealing with a lot of different attorneys and personalities, is in law school, they don't teach us the business of law. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. You would think you go to law school, you learn how to practice law, which would encompass dealing with clients and business and things like that. Nothing. Nothing well, at all. I, I guess the thought process, though, is why, right? And and so I, I challenge that with the question, and you and I have had this conversation. So I'll ask you again. How many attorneys out there do you think want to start their own firm? I think there's several out there, but they're skeptical and maybe a little hesitant because they don't know what that, what does that mean? Do I just go and hang a shingle? Okay, great. I got this fancy uh, degree that says I graduate law school. I have my my bar certificate. I have a nice pretty frame. I have it hung. All right. And the clients come to me. What do we do? I'm just sitting here. I got to be honest. You said pretty frame. I, I feel like every attorney's office I walk into, the frame is always a little crooked. You know? Well, they don't teach us like, that law school like, either. <laughs> <laughs> straighten the frame, straighten the frame. But yeah, it's where do I start, right? Right. Where do I start? What do I do first? Um, I don't have definite facts here, but I would be willing to guess a big fear factor or hesitation is a financial aspect of it. Oh, for sure. Right? I- exactly. What What is the first thing that they do besides hang that shingle? And one of the things I've been looking because you and I've had several conversations and we've had several colleagues and attorneys and other firms ask us what makes Lexicon so successful? Well, that's because we allow attorneys to do what they do best, yeah, which is practice law. Right. It's nothing mind-blowing or just great new uh, revelation here, but it's, it's common sense and attorneys are bad business people. I'm just going to throw that out there, okay? Cover your ears, everyone. (laughs) Attorneys are bad business people, and attorneys don't like to collect money. Yeah. 
And, and so when you and I were talking, well, what can we do? That's how we came up with this podcast. And this is episode one. 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 Which doesn't mean that this episode is going to give you the knowledge, information to go out and grow your practice right away. But we're going to give you tools and ideas and tips and, and what to do. And then you can take this information. Yeah. And I think so many people, especially um, vendors, right? Service vendors, they want to keep that knowledge so close to their vest because they they fear if we give this information away, people won't have a need for us, right? We've empowered them too much, so now we're useless. That's not how Dan and I feel. Um, We feel like as much information as we can provide to all of you attorneys out there who are thinking about starting your own firm. Maybe you already have your own firm. Yeah. How do I grow it? You know, maybe you are in an executive role at a law firm and you're expected to bring strategy, right, to the table, ideas to maybe your executive leaders. We want to be your go-to for all of that information. Right. And knowledge is currency. And you want to be able to provide that currency to not only start your firm, but also, as Sarah was saying, go to these meetings armed with information and how to grow that that practice. And so what we decided to do with this first episode is what is your strategy? What does that word mean? It, to me, that's just that's a few syllables. And it's like, wow, strategy. OK, do mm-hmm. I write? Is this something I write on the back of a napkin and give it to my mom and say, hey, mom, what do you think? I mean, I, what, what do I do with this? I mean, you could, I guess, if, if you wanted to, right? It, it, so in my mind, strategy is this. It's, it's, your, it's your vision, right? It's almost like you need to identify and define, I don't want to say problem, but potentially the obstacle, right? So here's the obstacle. Here's where I want to get. How am I going to do that? So it's really identifying those steps on how you are going to get to that next point. And you're going to have a lot of strategies, and, right? And we're not talking about the 12 steps. We're talking about actual action steps, Action right? steps, yeah. Good clarification. Action steps. They're, they're business decisions, really. So I think uh, we should bring in our first guest. I think it's going to be a good one. Can you believe we already have our first guest? I can't either. And I can't believe that we're actually bringing in a director of finance who has assisted helping one of the the largest firms in the country grow. Yeah. Because what did we say? Probably one of the biggest concerns is the financial aspect. It's a good place to start. Let's do it, Dan. I'm ready. All right. Thank you, everybody, for for joining us and continuing to listen. As uh, Sarah and I mentioned, we have our first guest with us. His name is Dan Meyer. He's the director of finance at Lexicon. Two Dans? Oh, watch how, out. How are we going to get We're, through this episode? Well, we'll have good Dan and bad Dan. Good Dan and bad Dan. Who am I no, okay. Now, which okay, one am wait. I? Yeah, exactly. I, I want to like know. I the number guy is probably the bad the one. The bad Dan? Yeah. I'm well, that, that works. I've never been called a good Dan, so I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I've been called the bad Dan, so that's fine with me as well. Uh, bad Dan? Yes. Don't you, like, have a, a saying, like... You're the guy to say no. I am. What I'm is the one that, that says How does no. that go? Well, I mean, I just, you know, have to hold the line, just make sure everybody's, you know, being on track and we're making sure that we hit our budget and so we all have a good year. I'm glad that we're going to call him Bad Dan. I didn't know if you were going to go with the hair, Dan with hair, Dan without, because I just wanted to make sure that this is by choice. Okay, well, Bad but, Dan does have good hair. I'm I will take Bad Dan there. over Evil Dan. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not malicious in any way. I'm just, you know, just trying to hold the line on expenses. So... Bad Dan, we'll call him Finance Dan. Oh, we'll, there we'll, we'll Finance cut Dan. Him a break much here, better, okay? much better. So, 
Backstory. We want to hear about you. You are the director of finance, Yes, right? and uh, I was the controller for the first uh, four years of my employment here at Lexicon. It's my first time, actually, these last five years in the legal industry, and uh, very different. Um, very different. I've uh, been in accounting for about 28 years, but the last 15 in a management role, and um, it's very interesting. It's been unique. I'm always learning something every day, and so, uh, but I enjoy it. I really do, and uh, um, ascended to the position of director of finance, uh, about been there in that position for about six months now. So, so Dan, I need to ask you a question. Yes. Finance, Dan, I apologize. Yes. Do you enjoy working with attorneys? <laughs> um, yeah, actually, and you can't plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> actually, yes, because um, I think that the, there's a lot of similarities. I think that um, they are. Uh, conservative by nature, like uh, accountants are. I think that they kind of think the same way uh, along those lines, uh, especially when it comes to money and expenses. So I actually, when it comes to interacting with them, there is more of a um, kind of, I don't want to say camaraderie, but more like a closeness as far as the align the way you think between accountants and, and attorneys, more so in some of the under, other industries I have been in uh, throughout my career. Okay, it sounds like it's a good fit. You've got some notes there, but I can't read them. Yes, Uh, I know. I write like a lawyer, too. That's a lot of notes, actually. I I can't even do it. People uh, say uh, I have bad handwriting. I don't know. I think that's doctor handwriting. That's that's something. I'm just multitasking. This is, you know, getting me ready for my next appointment, you know, after Uh, this. (laughs) He's got another podcast. That's right. It's not not going to be as good. Or is it informative? Sarah and I were talking as far as what do you do once you graduate and you have this bar license and you have this shingle? and you want to open up your firm or maybe you're in a firm and you want to help grow it or you just want to make more revenue or more money. And there's just so many term. There's a lot of terminology out there that when I say it, I probably couldn't explain it the way that you can. So we really break it down for an attorney who's just their, their first day and they want to start their firm or a firm who wants to grow. There's terms like balance sheets, income statements, cash flow. What the... What the heck does that mean? Cash flow? Is that just me giving someone money and it's just flowing out? Or is it, am I getting money? I'm here. Money? Yeah, I accept in. cash. I mean, right. I mean, here. <laughs> So yes, I'll, well, I'll take I mean, some cash flow. Th- those are great questions, Dan. Um, I think that actually practicing law is uh, only a, a portion of being an attorney. Whether it's like you said, I'm opening up my own firm and I'm thro- throwing a shingle up, or or you're joining a firm of ten attorneys, twenty, fifty. Um, the back office is very, very important, and of course, I'm I'm here to discuss the finance part of it. But there's, you know, the the human resources, the IT, the marketing. All those things are very, very very important and and need almost as much um, you know cultivation as your uh, the their knowledge of practicing law and uh, there's several firms out there that offer that that back office I I work for one uh, with Lexicon I think that we do a great job. Um, and supporting and letting uh, attorneys do what they should be doing and focusing on that. But for those attorneys that can't really do that, I mean, picking an accounting software is very, very important. I mean, that's right off the bat. If you're a small firm, um, QuickBooks is always great. I know, um, you know, not, I'm not paid by QuickBooks or anything. I just have used it a lot for smaller firms. It, it's very user-friendly. You don't have to have an accounting degree to use it. Um, and it really helps you get all those things that you you were talking about. The most most important financial documents that you're going to be creating are your balance sheet, um, your your income.
income statement, your statement of cash flows. These are all things that that these um, small um, accounting software packages can create for. What you. are you balancing? Well, um, we, you're actually balancing your your assets equal your debts plus your uh, owner's equity. So yeah. uh, the amount that you have, I mean, that's basic accounting terms. So. Hopefully, if the only, only attorneys are, are listening to this, they might be, hey, I learned something. And every accountant is going to be like, well, that's we learned that on day one. But basically, it's all the assets that you have and then plus the debt you have. And then the, with the difference between that is how much equity you have in your uh, in your firm or your shingle or whatever you want to say or call it. But, I mean, it is a, it's a very important uh, piece of the equation going specifically to um, – just picking what accounting methodology you're going to use. I mean, there's two basic ones that are used, cash accounting and accrual accounting. Now, most of the businesses in the United States, they use accrual accounting. But a law firm is a service service industry. Accrual Mm -hmm. or accrual as in you're taking my money. Well, no, accrual, <laughs> A-C-C-R-U-A-L. And that's what I, what I was saying was that's where a lot of the, most of the firms in, uh, I mean, most of the businesses in the United States use accrual accounting. Um, but a lot of service uh, industries, including uh, the, the legal one, uh, use, end up using cash uh, cash accounting, and it's more because it's basically an easier way to record revenue, um, and you uh, basically mitigate a little bit of the outstanding AR that you have out there if you're not um, using accrual base because accrual base is basically you're trying to match the expenses and the and the revenue in the same period that they happen, whereas cash is more like what is the cash event? And cash mm-hmm. is king. Cash is absolute right? king, Dan. I mean, that's what I've been told. That's what I heard. I'm not an accountant. Absolutely. I don't know, but you can play one on TV with that statement right there. That's pretty good. So, is there a benefit be- between doing accrual versus cash? It really all depends on uh, actually the individual owner or owners or partners, what they prefer. Um, cash, like I said, is usually an easier way to go about doing it. You recognize the revenue when the cash comes in. Um, some people, and it's, I think one of the reasons why it's more of the majority used in U.S. businesses use the accrual is they like to match their expenses with their revenue for the same period that it's happening. A great example I can give you is, Dan, you're working on this case and you've been working on it for three months and all your time you spent during those three months doing that case and you were being paid by your firm and the expenses were getting recorded in those three months and then at the end, the client pays you. Well, now the revenue came in, let's say, October, but you did all that work in August, September, and July, the three months leading up to it. So when you're looking at them in an individual basis, well, those three months that you are only recording the expense and not the revenue, it looks like maybe you didn't do that well. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden you get paid for it in, August, in October, I think in my example I just used, but you've already done all the work, so then it kind of flip-flops. So it all kind of depends on really your your best, like the way that you feel most comfortable doing it. Okay. But that's a defining point right there. That attorneys have to make that decision, right? Right off the bat. And then when you do it, you have to stay with it and be consistent about it. You can't be like, well, I'm going to be cash-based this month, and then next month I'll be accrual-based. Once you make the decision, that's what you're doing. I can't choose between clients. I want this client to be cash because I know – that they have a hard time paying me, and then his other ones are cruel, and maybe I'll, it's I'll take not, it that way. Unfortunately, it's not by the client. It's the business. Okay. You have to set it up a certain way, and um, and like I said, there's pros and cons to both. So um, what if they got into it and they made the decision to be cash? 
and six months into running their own firm, they say, oh, this doesn't work for me. Is it a process to make that switch? Yeah, what I would say is usually uh, find a, a defining cutoff, usually an okay. end of year, whether it's a calendar year uh, or a fiscal year, that when you're doing it, if you're going to do, I mean, if you're going to set it up and you do decide to, to make the change, you're, you're there's going to be tax ramifications of switching. So you definitely want to look into, you know, if you have an outside auditor or who's paying your taxes or if you're doing them, there's definitely a change in the way you get, uh, you go about having your taxes filed. But so it, it's not, something where I'm not saying you can never do it. Of course you can. Be strategic about it. Yeah, well, I mean, actually you have, there has to be a certain amount of time. Like I don't, I do not believe that you can switch, you know, between the, the two basis with, uh, within the same like tax year. So, but that's not, I, I will admit, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. It's just not a decision you make you know, like, oh, I'm just going to wake up tomorrow and decide that I'm switching from cash-based accounting to accrual-based accounting. Let me ask you a question because there's this word that I just, I I, I want to get it out of my head. I don't like to say it. It's a very bad word. And, really and I know we're, we're censored and, and we can't say profanity on here, but I'm, I'm just going to say it once. I'm going to get it out real quick. It starts with a B, budget. Yes, budgets. <laughs> well, it's budget. very important. It haunts me. I yes. ignore it. Just get out of my head. I, I tell my wife, I don't even know what that word means, so don't say it again. I don't. I don't. We're on the same on page. <laughs> We're on the same page, Dan, because I um, have that same feeling about budgets. Uh, that usually the process starts around, usually after you've get, got three quarters worth of results around October, and you want to get that done by the end of the year. But it is a very, very important document, Dan. It's something that is absolute necessity. I mean, I don't know about. Um, Sarah, you and and Dan, but I mean, I most people have budgets in their even in their own lives. Just talking about a household budget or yeah. a budget for a specific thing. I want to take my kids on vacation to Disney next summer. How much do I need to put away? I mean, that's a budget. But I have a that, shopping budget, just right. So you guys know exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> it, imagine how oh, much more. Really? Ah, <laughs> <for> you. <laughs> but you can imagine. I, I get in on that. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine how much more important that is for a business. So you what goes into it? When you're running a law firm or starting it, I mean, what needs to be identified on your budget? Well, if you were absolutely starting from scratch, you would probably start off with your fixed expenses. Okay. And that way you could kind of see what you're targeting to try to make. Um, when you've been established for a little while, you kind of have a better idea of your revenue. And so for if I was doing a budget and starting one for a company that had been already in business for three, five, ten years, usually you start off the, with the revenue and what you think and what type of growth. Are you adding attorneys? Are you increasing your rates? Mm-hmm. Um all the different factors that are going on. COVID, a perfect example uh, of a couple years ago, how some of around the country, how there were court houses that were shutting down and not even hearing cases. So that slew, slowed down. And there are down. still some that are considering uh, holding that until Extending the summer that. of 2023. Yeah, yes. that's what I heard. So, I mean, all these things come in, into effect, but a lot of expenses that aren't fixed usually can be tied off of revenue. So if you're an established attorney and you're, or with a, a group or that your business has been going for several years, revenue is where I'd start. But Sarah, to your question, I'm like, 
when you're when you're talking about that attorney that's just starting out, mm-hmm. fixed costs is what I would start with because okay. then what you kind of need. Well, like your rent, rent you know, yeah. you need to you need, you know you need to figure that out. Um, if it's just you, or maybe it's you and a law clerk or a paralegal, your salary pretty much becomes a, a fixed cost, assuming that you're not out hiring an hourly attorney. Um, things of that of those nature. It won't be the same every month, but utilities are fixed costs. These are things that are going to happen regardless if you have one client. These are items that you're going to have to pay for. That's a fixed cost. Um, It would be smart to advertise if you're trying to get business. I don't know if I would necessarily call that a fixed cost because you, that can go up and down with the business that you're having. Um, but there are many um, costs that you're going to eventually have regardless of what your revenue is. Okay. So the, it's not necessarily the dollar amount. It's just a reoccurring That's right, expense. yes. Something that you know you are absolutely going to have to pay. And uh, law firms, much, much like most of the service industry um, companies, the biggest percentage of your expenses is going to be your salary. I mean, we're providing a service. That's what we're doing, right? We're not manufacturing a widget and then selling that widget. Um, we're selling our time. You're selling your time, Dan, when you're doing that. You've set a rate. You've, you've set a, what you think is a competitive rate, what you think your time is worth, and, and that's what you've done. But basically, it's just you and you getting paid. And so salaries ends up being a huge chunk of most law firms, most service. I mean, I worked in other service industries as well. I've worked at a for an accounting firm before. It's the same thing. When you're providing the service, salary is, is the big one. You mentioned revenue. That is that money that I just put in my pocket and I can go deposit it in my bank? Well, that's more cash, Dan. Revenue is more <laughs> – revenue would be more like um, – so going back to that cash and accrual-based uh, uh, um, accounting, when, and if we can go back to that example I gave you about you, what you're working on that case that was for three months, right? If you were a ca- – and you were a cash-based, uh, and we, you would only recognize that revenue when you got paid. But as you were putting in time, that is a term called work in process, WIP for short, if you ever hear that acronym, and and WIP actually, or WHIP? WIP. IP. Yeah. Yes, and so in a, with a cruel account, I have that song going on in my head. I see what Whip you it. just did there. It just like <laughs> came it into my good. head. Yeah. Right. So if you were um, if you were in a cruel based accounting, you would be recognizing your revenue as you were doing your work. Like at the end, like let's say just to make this example super easy, let's say you did a hundred hours each of those three months, and your rate was two hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, an, an hour. So what you would end up doing is you would end up booking $25,000 of revenue, even though the client hadn't paid a dime. So that's the difference between revenue and that money you put in your pocket. So I might be off topic here, but let me ask you a question. Sure. What happens? What's the negative impact of that though? So where my mind's going and keep me honest here, finance Dan. Uh, how much time do we have? We have as Sorry. much as we want. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? We can make this multiple episodes. You said keep okay. me honest. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so uh, based on what you just said, right? So you gave this example. Dan's been working on this case for three months, you know, two fifty an hour. You know, the the what happens though if you get into the situation where this is what you plan for and then it actually comes time for a client to make payment and you end up having to is it right off or right down? 
Uh, it can be one of one Either of the, it or. can be both. Yes, I mean those are two different terms. You're talking about that very bad scenario where yeah. Dan's done all this work and the bill comes due and client and the is client like, doesn't no. pay. And unfortunately, that's something obviously that happens in every business. And usually, the um, the you know the larger the business, that they can usually absorb that a little bit better that bad debt. Um, but uh, in answer to your specific question, Sarah, a write down would be like the client says to Dan, Dan has this bill and it's seventy five thousand dollars. And the client's like, I've only got 50. And so Dan can decide whether he wants to take it. He can decide whether to try to send that to collections. There's definitely many different avenues he can explore. And that would be an entirely different podcast just to get into accounts receivable and collections. But to your answer, a write down in this case would be, okay, I'll take the 50,000. We've written down $25,000. A write off would be, I'm never going to collect any of this. And you take the whole thing down. What is your advice in two examples. One, to an attorney who just hung their shingle Mm -hmm. and then one who was established. Well, definitely hanging the shingle. I mean, friends, neighbors, everybody, anybody they know. Being financed, Dan, you're probably saying go buy a very inexpensive frame, right? Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, on the other hand, getting away from that, that B Do word, you need would a like shingle? to go and Could get it be cardboard? a platinum one, right? <laughs> yes. Well, I, it's it's funny you say that because what I was the way I was going to answer is if you're a little bit more established, usually you have a little bit more backing behind it and advertising is always a great idea. And if you can afford to do that, that's fantastic. If you're just holding up your shingle, Hanging up your shingle, I mean, for the first time, word of mouth, try to get your your name out there as best you can, as cheaply as you can, because advertising is not necessarily one of those fixed costs we were talking about previously. Do I have to look at what you mentioned earlier as far as on a balance sheet, or do I need to go to the budget? Or can, I mean, what do I do? Well, usually, I mean, almost, and I would give this advice for any business starting up, and I think what you're talking about, it would be considered a business, Dan Cuneo's just graduated from college. He's hanging up a shingle. You're going to be a business. I, a, a business plan absolutely would be the way that I would get started. Do you know how young you just made him feel by saying that? Yes, yes, exactly. I won't, no. I won't tell the year that I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no age. It was recent. No age shaming here. Um, <laughs> but, but absolutely, a business plan, which then can kind of flow into making a budget. But I would absolutely recommend those two things before I even decided. I mean, and then you have to decide location. And then you have to decide, you know, the cost-benefit analysis of – uh, man, I'd really like to be in this nicer area. So maybe you have a, a higher quality of client that maybe you can charge higher, but then you're paying more in rent and then you have the unknown of the revenue. It's There's so many different variables, but it's almost like we you would want to do two different podcasts, one for that attorney that's just starting out and one for that attorney that's kind of joining yeah. and kind of has a little bit more of that cash that you were talking about earlier, Dan. Cash being king, a little bit more behind it because, I you know. I was going to say cow. Cow? <laughs> Can we the say cash that? cow. <laughs> cash cow. Yeah. Oh, come on. Sorry. <laughs> Go on different. Go ahead, Dan. There, well, no, there are some industries where I feel like advertising is more effective than other ones. And from my past five years being in the legal one, I think it's very important. Well, I really you, do. you bring up a, a, a I, you know, I'm just going to try to keep you here as long as we can just to try to take advantage of all this knowledge. You mentioned advertising and marketing a couple of times. What percentage of my revenue do you suggest that I, I spend on that? 
so many different factors. I mean, if you're established and, you know, how, how much revenue are you bringing in? Because if you're bringing in, you know, let's say it's you and your shingle and you bring in $200,000 revenue in the first, in your first year. If you say 10%, now that's $20,000. And, you know, that hurts a lot more than it does for a law firm that has, say, $150 million and, they can pay 15 million in revenue. It doesn't hurt as bad. Um, so it really all depends. My best advice would be the earlier you are in your career, the smaller the firm, you try, you want to try to make that as small as possible, really kind of use your connections. And, you know, that whether that be, you know, you, you graduated law school with a bunch of friends and maybe they're going into a different kind. Maybe you're going into, say, family law and you know somebody that went into tax law or real estate law. And you so you guys have set up connections and you get that sort of thing. Or, you know, I'm sure that, Dan, I mean, you look like somebody that has hundreds Careful. and hundreds of friends. So you get that word out, you know? Wow, you, you, Sarah. Are, you are really just <laughs> building him up today, aren't you? Well, I mean, look at that smile. I mean, how could you? graduated oh, from okay. I may start blushing soon. Yeah. <laughs> Hundreds of friends. But, but I mean, <laughs> don't I, interrupt a man. I'm uh, sorry, Dan. Dan, please. My, Sarah could be a little on. bit rude at times. Uh, <laughs> uh, but let, let's take an established firm. I would say somewhere. Wait, we continue your thought on how handsome, charming. No, I'm sorry. I don't know if I ever said handsome, Dan. <laughs> I, I said I that it, you but... look like a man that had lots of friends. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but yes, you do happen to be quite handsome as well. Let's go with that, right, Sarah? I think I'm going to excuse myself right. from this room. Yeah, well. Yeah. Anyway, I would say uh, in answer to your question, I mean, knowing that there's so many different factors, somewhere between 6 and 10%. Of your, of your revenue would be a good target. I mean, the problem is the smaller your revenue, it only goes so far. Right. You can only stretch that dollar. To that point, we don't want to give away a future episode here, but we're actually going to speak with a marketing representative. They might be a friend of yours. It's hard to say with as many friends as you have. <laughs> I know. But we are actually going to speak to a marketing representative in an upcoming episode about marketing and branding and how people, to finance Dan's point, if you are a smaller law firm or just getting your feet off the ground, how you could potentially tackle some of those marketing components at a lower cost until that revenue really starts coming in. There's so many questions I still have, but I know your time is limited, and we thank you for taking time out of your day to, to join us here. Well, absolutely. Will you and, come back, Finance Dan? Will well, sure, back? yeah, absolutely. It sounds like we've just scratched the surface on some of these things, and we can do a little deeper dive on some of the, the things we brought up, but I think it was a good kind of a start for a broad base of, of some of the questions you asked. And uh, one last note, I do love my, my marketing brothers and sisters. They're great, but when you have that specialist in there, in here for your for their podcast, yeah. they're going to tell you that you need to spend a little bit more money than you actually do. <laughs> they're always looking to spend a little bit more. They always want a little bit more. That's because they don't have a budget. That's right. Oh. That's right. See, so, here's another opportunity. Marketing person, finance person. We should get them in together. Dual. Mm. Mm. I don't know. There'd probably be a lot of talking over each other. You wouldn't understand what you were saying. And Dan wouldn't get any of those compliments that he's... <sighs> 
consistently striving for. So I was going to say, though, takeaway for you, Finance Dan, next time you come back, I would like you to come up with some compliments for me. Okay. So I feel included in this conversation oh, next boy. time. <laughs> Well, you didn't go near fishing nearly <laughs> as deeply as Dan did for his. So, uh, you know, you got to kind of feed me the line first, Sarah, and then I can come back with he it. He took the bait. He <laughs> took the bait. I absolutely did. Well, Finance Dan, we greatly appreciate you being here. We are excited to have you back. I think this was great information. Yes, very informative. I learned new things. Well, thank you, Sarah and Dan, for having me, and I would be glad to come back. Thanks, Dan. If you like our podcast, please like and subscribe. This is The Entrepreneur Lawyer. If you're interested in other services that Lexicon offers, please visit lexiconservices.com. Thank you for listening to The Entrepreneurial Lawyer, How to Grow Your Law Firm, presented by Lexicon. Lexicon is a legal software and services provider that enables lawyers to do what they do best, practice law. Tune in next time with our hosts and be sure to subscribe and leave your review on your preferred podcast streaming platform or by visiting lexiconservices.com. Oh, 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 o